Today's episode is brought to you by Canva. Uh, We're all looking for ways to make an impact at work, but not all of us are skilled in visual design. A Canva helps you get your point across uh, simply and beautifully. It's easy to design Canva presentations, docs, whiteboards, and videos. You start with a designer-made template and customize it with your content. Uh, plus, add graphics, charts, and more from Canva's massive media library. Whatever department you work in, Canva is perfect for any task. Sales decks, hiring docs, marketing brainstorms, employee videos, you name it. Anyone at work can design with Canva. Start designing today at canva.com. Designed for work. It's been almost 3,000 years and Greek mythology has proved that it is not going anywhere. But it can be difficult to find entertaining and engaging retellings of these myths that aren't fictionalized. Lucky for you, I'm here. Let's Talk About Myths Baby is the Greek mythology and ancient history podcast of your dreams. I dive into the convoluted and confusing ancient sources so you don't have to. Listen to Let's Talk About Myths Baby on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to a Cross Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Parents, if you've ever experienced bedtime battles with the kids, I'm going to let you into a little secret. The Koala Moon podcast has revolutionized over 20 million bedtimes, with parents like you calling it life-changing and the perfect nighttime routine. With original kids' bedtime stories and cozy sleep meditations, every episode has been specially designed to make bedtimes a dream. Listen to Koala Moon on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Brain Stuff, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, Brain Stuff, Lauren Vogelbaum here. It's a probable bet that the person who coined the term bird brain never dealt with a magpie. For the article this episode is based on, Hastafork spoke via email with Tim Burkhead, Emeritus Professor of Zoology in the Department of Animal and Plant Sciences at the University of Sheffield, Great Britain. He's the author of the book, The Magpies, The Ecology and Behavior of Black-Billed and Yellow-Billed Magpies. Burkhead has studied both species in the field, in Europe and the United States, and notes that people who deal with magpies on a regular basis have a keen understanding of how smart they are. He said, Every gamekeeper will tell you how clever magpies are, avoiding people carrying a gun as if they know. The magpie's most impressive trait is knowing themselves in a mirror. Very few animals can do this. Magpies can also be taught to speak. They hide food and can relocate hidden food with incredible accuracy. Intelligence-wise, magpies are very much like their fellow corvids, uh, jays, rooks, ravens, and crows. 
HowStuffWorks also spoke with Walter Koenig, a senior scientist with the Cornell Lab of Ornithology. Koenig has studied magpies in the past and is currently studying the social behavior of acorn woodpeckers and patterns of acorn production in California oaks in the Carmel Valley of California. It also happens to be the only place in the world where yellow-billed magpies live. The yellow-billed variety is a year-round sociable bird. They nest in pairs by the dozens, fairly close to each other, within hundreds of yards. In one colony Koenig and other researchers studied, they found 15 to 20 nests in one canyon. He said, We referred to yellow-billed magpies as semi-colonial. They make big domed stick nests with entrances on the sides that can be a couple of feet across. The nests sometimes end up in mistletoe clumps, which makes them hard to find sometimes. Both yellow and black-billed magpies are monogamous and mate for life. Magpie pairs build their nests together, the male gathering sticks for the exterior while the female works on the interior, lining it with mud and grass. The female lays a clutch of eggs, the number varies according to species, usually one brood per year. Their plumage is eye-catching, a black and white overall with black and blue-green iridescent flashes on their wings and tail. Their wings are short, but their tails are long, as long or slightly longer than the rest of their bodies. Their bills are strongly pronounced, like a crow's, and, true to their name, either yellow or black. They're typically 17 to 23 inches long, that's 45 to 60 centimeters, and weigh 5 to 7 pounds, that's 2 to 3 kilos, with an average wingspan around 23 inches, or 58 centimeters. Magpies are what scientists call opportunistic eaters. In other words, you might see a magpie eating carrion, but it probably makes up only a small amount of their diet. Koenig said, They're mostly out there foraging among the grass, eating insects and other stuff they can find, but they will eat small mammals. Magpies do have a couple of unique behaviors of note. Koenig said, They're one of the few animals that are known to have funerals. Nobody really knows what's going on, but when magpies find even parts of a dead magpie lying around because it got eaten or died, a bunch will come together and start squawking. They recognize this dead bird is one of their own, and it sends them into this tizzy. They're obviously doing something. The general consensus is that they're social enough that when they see a dead magpie, they want to know who it is, how it affects them, and how it affects the social stratification of the group. Another notable behavior is what Burkhead calls testing the locks, a sort of ceremonial gathering in the spring. He explained it as noisy clusters of up to 20 magpies in the trees, chasing and calling. Our research showed that these are triggered by dominant members of the non-breeding flock invading the territory of established pairs. Essentially, they're testing the locks. Could I break in and take over if I push hard enough? This is how some young magpies get territories, and how some old ones lose theirs. Some legends and stories, from folk tales to nursery rhymes, have demonized magpies as birds that swoop in to steal shiny objects or are harbingers of doom. But Burkhead said that's probably just a combination of bad press and familiarity breeding contempt. He said, If magpies were rare, everyone would rave about their stunning white and black iridescent plumage, their long tail and perky manner. They've become more common in the UK in the last 50 to 60 years, and anything common can be perceived as a pest. Magpies take songbird eggs and nestlings, and understandably, people hate them for this. 
but sparrowhawks take many more, but do so invisibly, so are less maligned. And domestic cats take many more still. The increase in magpies coincided with the general decrease in songbirds, and people put two and two together and made ten. Our research revealed no casual link between the two. Magpies do take songbird eggs and chicks, but so do lots of other predators. And small birds have evolved to cope with this and produce replacement clutches. Today's episode is based on the article, Why You Should Love the Much Maligned Magpie, on HowStuffWorks.com, written by Patty Rasmussen. BrainStuff is a production of iHeartRadio in partnership with HowStuffWorks.com and is produced by Tyler Klang. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. It's been almost 3,000 years, and Greek mythology has proved that it is not going anywhere. But it can be difficult to find entertaining and engaging retellings of these myths that aren't fictionalized. Lucky for you, I'm here. Let's Talk About Myths Baby is the Greek mythology and ancient history podcast of your dreams. I dive into the convoluted and confusing ancient sources so you don't have to. Listen to Let's Talk About Myths Baby on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.